0: Goff's Three Minute. Is- ah! What do the streets of Paris, London, and even Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C., running in front of the White House, have in common? They were all paved with asphalt mined from deep in the hills of West Virginia. In a narrow holler, you can only reach by ATV now the Richie Mines. This is an incredible story that surprisingly is nearly forgotten, even for locals. My dad grew up less than 30 minutes away in Auburn, and he had never even heard of this. Now, I've only been able to visit the mines once, but have hopes of returning, and while I will try to interject some of my personal descriptions of the area, it will undoubtedly make more sense to those who are familiar with McFarlane and Ritchie County. To give you an abridged illustration of the area today, McFarland is a small blink-and-you'll-miss-it community on Route 47, snaking through Ritchie County. There are a few mobile homes on the main stretch, a few dilapidated buildings, and a small convenience store that's seen better days, walled with OSB board, and a giant Budweiser Welcome Bikers banner hanging from the porch. I had never been to the Ritchie Mines, and a group of my friends and I decided to take our ATVs on an expedition to find them. The Ritchie Mines Wildlife Management Area is made up of hills and valleys, hollers as we call them. I pronounce them hollers, so you'll have to bear with me. Some come down in a sharp V pattern with steep rock walls, spray painted with graffiti, and wooded banks so steep you would have to hold onto the tree trunks to use the makeshift ladder. And on either side, while in many places it opens up into a more expansive, valley-esque landscape. McFarland Creek and other streams wind through the bottoms of these valleys with crisscrossing deer and trash littered ATV trails. In some places you can see for nearly half a mile, while in others eh, maybe 100 feet of visibility. You can see where other riders have worn trails as they branch out in every direction. And as our small caravan traveled up McFarland Creek, the embouchments of a centuries-old railroad can still be seen at every creek crossing, the iron rails long gone, with just the concrete foundations jutting out into open space, a bygone reminder of the industry that once existed there. As the creek forked and branched off, it took us several attempts of going up and down the wrong branch and turning around until finally we found the fabled Ritchie Mines. The trail is much less traveled as we near the mine. The mine transects a holler, both sides are more sparsely wooded here, with more mature growth trees, and it's not near as steep. The creek running through the bottom has cut deep sides, so we're forced to park around 100 feet from the mine and go in by foot the rest of the way. To describe what it is now doesn't do justice to what it once was. In all its glory, the mine itself is caved in, which we'll discuss later, but the remains on the surface are basically a five-foot-wide gash going down one hillside and up the slope of the opposite side. From one end to the other I'd estimate it to be somewhere between 250 and 400 feet. It looks as if a large bucket had scooped a 300 foot gash across this valley. The floor of this gash is level so the farther you go uphill the deeper it gets. A good Samaritan has strung a half inch cable about waist high on both sides so some poor unknowing soul doesn't drop down into the abyss. It's a quiet solemn place with a few birds chirping and the occasional squirrel rustling the leaves. It's hard to picture the mine in all its glory with a train hustling asphalt down the creek and workers crowded around swirling steam and the screech of whistles compared to it now the quiet and solitude. To be honest, I initially was a bit underwhelmed. I'd pictured the gold and silver mines from old westerns I'd seen on TV with a railroad running out the side of a mountain with timbers welcoming you underground. This is definitely not that. Nature is taken back over. But in reflection, it only makes sense and is a fascinating relic of a bygone era. The Ritchie Mine serves as one of five naturally occurring asphalt mines in the world, and in the 19th century, by far the largest. Asphalt, or gramite, is naturally occurring and can be mined like coal. In the fall of 1852, a farmer named Frederick Lemon was out with his cattle on McFarland Creek, which runs down a steep hollow and not much more than a trickle, when he discovered what he thought was coal. This black rock material had been uncovered by a recent flood, and Lemon sneakily attempted to cover up the seam with brush until he could purchase the land. Unfortunately for Lemon, the seam was found out, and residents came to get some of what they thought was coal for their homes. Local blacksmiths were using it in their forges. One poor man stuck a large chunk in his stove and nearly blew his house up. Lemon, who eventually bought the land and tried to use the substance as coal, quickly realized it melted too easily. And without the knowledge of what he had, he sold the land for it was still a hefty sum of $75,000. Now, this was in 1859, and it was discovered you could process this substance and get about 160 gallons of oil per ton of gramite. Since it was cheaper to pump oil from nearby wells versus pulling it from the gramite, the product began being used for its current purpose, paving. Men started flocking to the mines from the fields to strike it rich. With mules hauling the asphalt out of the mine and down the creek, the boomtown of Ritchie Mines sprang up almost overnight. Two boarding houses, a blacksmith shop, a machinist, a carpenter shop, a shoe shop, and a sawmill employing upwards of 75 people, along with a giant bricked hotel with a giant paved boulevard running through the middle of this wilderness town. In just one year, the mine made over a million dollars in profits. As production increased, so did the need to move it down the line. A railroad was constructed deep into the hills and a small engine called the Richie hauled the asphalt out of the mine to Cairo and onto the world. But in 1861, the Civil War broke out, and mining operations came to a grinding halt. Fear of bandits prowling the countryside and the possibility of them torching the mine caused miners to quit. Following the Civil War, as reconstruction kicks off in the U.S., so does the success of the Ritchie Mines. In 1865, the mine sold to Ritchie Mineral and Resin Oil Company for half a million dollars, which seems to be an astounding amount of money for the time period. Asphalt for paving really took off post-Civil War. And they hauled several cars per day of gramite out of the mine. As demand grew, so did the scope of the mining. Miners, many Irish immigrants, were forced to dig deeper and deeper until they had burrowed over 300 feet below McFarland Creek. Water seepage became a problem with pumps running around the clock to keep the mine from flooding. The deeper they mined, the softer the asphalt got. Many miners feared, unnecessarily, that they were a pick strike away from falling into a giant underground lake of oil. One miner, digging in the soft granite, sunk up to his knees in the muck and it took quite a few men and much difficulty to free him. In 1873, the battle with the buildup of gas in the mine was lost despite the best ventilation of the time. One evening after the miners had quit for the day, an explosion was ignited by the gas building up in the mine With a tremendous explosion in shaft number seven, the night watchman left in the mine was the only man left underground, and he was killed from injuries sustained. The head house at the opening of the mine was destroyed, as was the stables inside the mines, killing all the mules that were used for hauling the grand mine up to the main tunnel to be hauled out on rail. After this, miners were hesitant to return to the mines, and for good reason. Many were concerned about another explosion, while others feared the mines were haunted by the dead miners. Several more explosions by 1874 were the nail in the coffin for the Ritchie Mines, with the third explosion collapsing a tunnel leading to the vein which trapped 30 miners underground. And while they attempted to rescue them, they were ultimately unsuccessful. To accompany the explosions, the vein was lost and could not be found again. And the mine, bought for half a million dollars, 11 years earlier, sold for just $2,000 in 1876. The town of Ritchie Mines dried up as people followed the work and moved on. The train engine known as the Ritchie was sold for scrap and the iron rails started to be taken up. The new owners employed a few miners, but they only managed to fill maybe a rail car once every 10 days, hauling the asphalt out to the railroad in burlap sacks now. This versus the five cars daily at its peak. The mine changed hands several times and by 1904, due to poor maintenance, it became increasingly difficult to mine asphalt and now even a small amount of coal because dirt had begun washing into the mine from heavy rains. By 1910, coal was being hauled out by filling coffee bags and emptying them into a barrel to be elevated to the surface until eventually even this ceased. And that was the sad anticlimactic ending to the famed Ritchie Mines, but not the end of our story. In 1983, 75 years after mining ceased, two local men looking for adventure, set out to explore the area and go down into the mines themselves. Armed with climbing equip- equipment and headlamps, they rappelled down into the mines and their account is frankly pretty incredible. It was as if they had gone back in time. Century-old timbers still held the roof aloft from collapse. They found picks still stuck in the rock as if the mine was abandoned overnight. For better or for worse, shortly after their adventure, a cave-in collapsed at the entrance, and so for now the mines remain inaccessible. This may have been a bit of a blessing because I'm sure our little gang of explorers who headed out there would have ventured as far as the mines would have led us, and that, in retrospect, seems kind of dangerous. So for now, whatever secrets and stories that mine could tell is lost to history and a few articles here and there found sparingly on the internet and a few old magazines. If you happen to find yourself venturing out into McFarland Creek and come upon the mines, they've come full circle. It looks much like it did 150 years ago when Farmer Lemon discovered them, and what he thought was a piece of coal that would go on to pave the streets of some of the world's greatest cities. The boomtown of Ritchie Mines has been swallowed up by nature, and you would be hard pressed to find any vestiges of that bygone era, aside from the concrete buttresses that held aloft the mighty locomotive Ritchie as it carried asphalt out of that hollow to pave some of the greatest cities in the world. History is all around us. And whether it be grabbing some friends to go mudding in search of a forgotten mine, exploring a cemetery or an abandoned building, or just stopping to read a monument or plaque, there are incredible stories everywhere. Go out and find one. Class dismissed. This podcast, written, produced, and narrated by Isaac Goff in wild, wonderful Ward County, West Virginia. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle.